Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Peckville Assembly of God podcast. We're so glad you're here. Now, welcome Pastor Terry Drost with today's message. How many of you have kids? How many of you have kids? How many of you have grandkids? Oh, praise God. I feel the anointing. Amen. Somebody said having a bunch of kids is like having a bunch of drunken midgets running around. They just kind of wobble all over the place. And, you know, we love grandkids. I mean, we got, we're having them. They're just coming and coming and coming. And uh, praise God, our youngest grandson is sitting, was sitting on the front row. He's probably feeding right now. And uh, God's doing some great things there. But, you know, um, you know, we like Disney. We watch some Disney stuff. And uh, I remember Pocahontas. I remember the movie Pocahontas. They remade it a couple of years ago. Raccoon washing his hands under the waterfall, you know, and uh, all that. Well, you know, whether you watch it or not, you've got to tip your hat to visionary leaders like the late Walt Disney. Would you agree that he did some great things? You know, I mean, who do you know, really, think about this, that in the 30s got scraped together his entire life savings, which was $40, and enough to purchase a one-way train ticket from Kansas uh, to uh, Kansas City to Hollywood, California, and has this idea, this dream, this vision, if you will. Think about this pertaining to your business, your future, ministry, whatever it is, to have this little rat named Mortimer become who we know as Mickey Mouse. That's a true story, right? You know that? In fact, let me tell you this. The first full-length uh, feature film on Disney was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. How many remember when it first came out? Man, some of you guys are old. <laughs> anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm having fun with you. Do you know how much that cost, that film back then? First of all, it was drawn, all the scenes were drawn by hand and then painted by hand. I mean, who has time for that, you know? I mean, think about that, right? In the day and age we live with computers and all that. But he had such a vision, it cost him back then, this was 1939, a million and a half dollars to get that film in the theater. Yeah, back then, I mean, and he scraped, borrowed, begged, steal, everything he could to get that money together. And the thing I love about Walt Disney, he always took um, the proceeds and reinvested it into his company. Isn't that wise stewardship? He didn't splurge it. He didn't go out and waste it, kind of like the parable of talents, right? He took that money, and by the way, Snow White back then grossed uh, $8 million. And just so you know what era it was, it was knocked off number one in the box office by Gone with the Wind. Remember that famous scene with that, that big staircase? Frankly, my dear, I don't... Don't finish that sentence. We're in church, okay? But here's the thing that's interesting to me, and this backs up where we're going today with the word, and I believe this will help some people here. I know it's Christmas season. We're all in busy, high-octane rat race, you know, gifts to wrap, meals to bake, trees to decorate, all that stuff. Do you know, Walt Disney was a generous person also. Did you know that? Did you know that he actually at one time took proceeds, took some money, and bought his own parents a house. How many would like to be able to do that? Yeah, like, pay, and that was quite a place. I mean, this is like, you know, late 30s, pre-Second World War era. Bought quite a place for them. And uh, he put them in it. And this is, this is just uh, unbelievable to me, but they're in the house, mansion, they had a servant step. They're in the house, and his mother calls the studio in Southern California, and she said, there's a, there's, a, there's a strange odor in this house. And I, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. And, and he, so he sent some helpers from the studios uh, over to um, 
his parents' home, their new home. And the men that went over there, true story, determined that it was the furnace that was making the smell. And they said it was, listen, brand new furnace, but it was incorrectly installed. So they fixed it, and a few days went by, and the maid woke up, and she went to make breakfast for Walt Disney's parents in their new home in Hollywood, California. And she had breakfast ready. Usually they were at the table, but they weren't there. And the day was moving on, so she finally knocked on their door, finally went in to only find both of them totally unresponsive. And she felt nauseous herself. And uh, she ran outside because she felt like she was going to pass out, got enough air, came back in and drug Walt Disney's parents out on the front lawn after she called the authorities. And Walt Disney's mom died of carbon monoxide poisoning. I don't know how many of you have ever heard that story before. I just found that I had no idea. Such a senseless tragedy. Well, you know, in the 1990s, someone invented one of these. And what does it do? Well, it's a carbon monoxide. It's a detector, right? You know that little sound that you get, you know, a little warning sound? If there's a carbon, because carbon, you can't smell carbon monoxide. And, and listen, folks, even, these are $20 at Walmart. They make them in China, okay? Think about this. Um, it's so senselessly tragic that people would perish today, but yet on average, 430 people in the U.S. annually perish of carbon monoxide poisoning. And uh, upwards of 20,000 annually wind up in emergency rooms and hospitals all over because they don't have one of these things, you know? What is it? It's a detector, right? It's a warning sign. Would you agree? And so, okay, we get the point. That's what it does. Jeez. Man, it's just like, you know. Anyway. So. Really? Can you imagine these people? This is who works for me. I'll take it from here, okay? <laughs> And so the point is, how many know the Bible gives us warning signs? Oh, I got your attention. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians is one of my favorite books. Ephesians talks about, it's broken down into two parts. Are you ready? The blessings of God and the behavior of God's people. The great apostle Paul, and you say, wait, now wait a minute, I got a blank, who's Paul? Paul, let me tell you who Paul was. Paul was a guy that blazed the trail for the kingdom of God all across the Roman Empire when it was taboo to preach such a gospel. The gospel is what dad said it before when he prayed. Christ came, Christ lived, Christ died, he arose, and how many know Christ is coming back? That is the message of the gospel. If you believe it, give God some praise right there. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know, today, listen, I read this this week. Did you know the latest data out that is that only 55% of Americans believe that Christmas is celebrating, the purpose of Christmas is to celebrate the birth of the Christ child? Only 55%, folks. And you know what they say? That other people of other religions are saying, oh, the church, the American church, Christians, they're narrow-minded. You know what that is saying, we're narrow-minded? That's like having the cure for cancer, which how many know we have the good news? It's greater than the cure of cancer, amen? And it's like having the cure of cancer and running through the cancer ward saying, hey, I've got the cure for cancer, everybody. And somebody's sitting there with cancer said, you know what, you're awful narrow-minded. And it's like, okay, well, if you've got an idea to cure cancer, tell us about it, but guess what? There's a cure for cancer. 
You see, it's not me about being narrow-minded, folks. It's about understanding that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes, nobody comes to God the Father except through the shed blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? And so I want to say this to you today about the word, folks. The best kind of prevention is early detection. So I want to talk to you about the highway of heaven today and that Paul, the great apostle Paul, he wrote, he just kept preaching and preaching and preaching. He said, it's like saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And I want other people to be Christians. I want to tell everybody I can about what God can do. I want to go tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. In fact, the great apostle Paul spent more time in Ephesus than he did anywhere else in Scripture. And he just kept preaching and preaching and preaching. And he, he rent, rented out the, the you know, uh, Tyrannus Hall. And I always think Tyrannus, everybody's like Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know. I just can't get that out of my mind. Like, you know, can't stop, won't stop, amen. I mean, but he built this great hall. And look at this. This was called the seventh wonder of the world back then. It, it, this is at the island of, look at, check that building out. Held meetings there. It was burned down in 360 uh, A.D., by an arson, but you know, Paul, I mean, they couldn't stop him. But here's the problem the city was demonic. Ephesus was a city where they worshiped the, the sexual goddess Diana, if you know your Bible, you know, church history. And, and this is actual fact, what I'm telling you. I mean, so when people would go to, to Diana, to uh, Ephesus, the, the Chotsky of the day was like, the, was, it'd be like going to Disneyland and getting a little, bringing back a little Mickey Mouse, you know. The Chotsky of the day was the bust of Diana, was a little silver sexual representation. Like, did you get one of those? That's like the greatest thing. Well, as Paul continued to preach, more people kept getting saved. And he literally put the pornography business out of business. Can you say praise God? That's what this gospel will do for those who will adhere to it like glue. And he kept preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. And he wasn't going to let anybody stop him. Three and a half years, he was hated. They hated Paul. They didn't want Paul around, but he kept preaching. And he kept packing out these halls like the picture I just showed you. And then finally, he was in prison for it. And when he was in prison, he said, I'll still preach. I'll preach now through letters. He wrote the book of Ephesus. Can you say amen? Uh, he, listen, folks, he, he wrote Colossians. He wrote Ephesians. He wrote Galatians. He wrote Philippians. He wrote 1 Timothy. He wrote 2 Timothy. He wrote the book of Titus. And then he was beheaded for writing those books. And it was like when they killed him, he said, go ahead, kill me. I'll just come back all the stronger. Kind of like Darth Vader, amen, or Luke Skywalker or somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? And today he's preaching to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through the written word of God. And I want to say this to you today about being on God's highway to heaven. God's got these things on both sides of the highway and sometimes in the middle called rumble strips. Does anybody know what a rumble strip is? Anybody ever gone over a rumble strip before? There are little, you know, little cuts or you know, little, little bumps on the road to keep us on the straight and narrow. Can you say amen? They're, they're, they're carbon monoxide detectors. They're smoke detectors. It's the alarm bells of, of life that, that we don't start drifting away. And Paul wrote this book, and when he wrote Ephesians, and we spent, listen, we spent about four months at the top of 2019 on Wednesday nights going through chapter and verse of this book, Ephesians. And again, it's two parts. It's broken into the blessings of the believer. Can you say amen? How many know there's blessings in being a believer? He, said, he keeps saying, we're in Christ. For those who are in Christ, listen, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We have the authority of the believer. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. 
the benefits, the blessings are, are too numerous to, to even mention here this morning in a service like this. But, and then he says, after the blessings, that, then he talks about our, what our behavior should be like. And it's so anti-religious because religion tells people, you do a bunch of good things, and if you do a bunch of good things, somehow God in heaven might take his little list and bless you. That's not what the Bible says. It actually says God loves you so much that he's blessed you with all spiritual, all manner of spiritual blessings. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody this morning. All manner of spiritual blessings he's bestowed upon your life. And because of those blessings, I can't help but behave and do the right thing. That's the gospel. And that's what Paul was preaching. That's what he was preaching. Because I'm blessed. It's not, oh, I am so afraid. You know, it's like Santa Claus. You know, he's checking his list. You know, better than the final. Who's naughty and nice? Did you do that? Well, you're not getting. No, that's not at all what he's saying. Religion tells us we have to do all this good stuff and somehow God's going to bless us. God's word is the exact opposite. God said, in fact, I don't even see, say, well, well you know, I've messed up. Uh, you know, I'm the prodigal son. Who cares? Uh, I, I, I went with prostitutes. Who cares? I fell in the mud. Who cares? God the Father says, when I look at you, I don't even see you. I see my son Jesus. If you believe that, that's a good place to give God some praise in the house of God this morning. Oh, hallelujah. It's called the highway to heaven. And I'm on it, and you're on it. And that's the, that's the message. And so here it is today. I'm just going to give you a couple points before we go home this morning. Can you say praise God? I can't help but get excited. We got the cure of cancer, folks. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's why we believe the way we believe. That's why we behave the way we behave. We've been blessed of God and highly favored. Don't let anybody ever tell you any different. Amen? Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at verse 14. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. Now, these are, this is the walking directions, the marching orders, okay? Now that we're blessed, he says, Therefore, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Amen? I was telling the kids before we came out, I said, you know, a couple of us are back there. I said, yeah, I remember a time we went camping. My wife was carrying our oldest son, Tyler, and I mean, she was great with child. It was late and late in the year. It was probably too cold to be camping. It was, I don't know, November, something like that, right, honey? We're out there. I had this crazy idea. How many know I still get crazy ideas, amen? <laughs> I was just a young dad, I, dad-to-be, and I, we were married like a, a little less than a year. We're expecting all this stuff, and I said, man, I, we're going to go camping in Promised Land State Park. So I had this old van, you know, this Ford van, you know. How many know if, if you have a daughter, you don't want them dating anybody with a van? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> and so I had this van, and I had this idea, you know, it was like a panel truck. It wasn't really like a, like a camper van. It was like a panel truck. It had one window on the sliding door. It was like a white Ford van with a million miles on it. I put plywood on the floor. I put carpet pad, and I put sleeping bags and pillows. We were like a couple hippies back then, amen? And, I, you know, we went in for like a Friday and a Saturday, and it poured all day, all weekend long. And we tied a, a tarp off the side over the picnic table. And so we still had a good time. You know, we're, we're young. We're in love. We're expecting. My, my wife was like, like, all, like a basketball in the front. You know, she was just all baby. She's carrying our oldest son. And, and, and so I was determined I was going to make her a steak dinner. And so I made this steak over the open fire. I mean, I had these crazy plans. I'm just going to love on her. I'm going to bless her. I'm going to give her the best meal. You know, we're out in the open. I had this idea. I don't know. I was probably watching too much Bear Grylls. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? 
And it was pouring rain. I mean, that little, I had a tarp strung off the side over the table. It had like a belly, but water, I keep pushing it. It was like, you know, really uh, like, a, like a heavy downpour. And we're sitting there. And finally, I got the meal done. I had everything just right. You know, baked potato. I had the steak all cut up. I mean, beautiful, everything. Good presentation. And I had this little Coleman lantern that was battery operated. Remember them when they first switched over from like the gas to the, the remember them? And they weren't like lithium and they didn't have all that like we have now. So just when we went to take our first bite, the light went out. And my wife was so good. I mean, she's like, she's just so awesome. She's so compliant. I mean, she just, but you know, she's pregnant. And all of a sudden, she lets out this scream, you know, ah, like that, and jumps up on the table. I said, what's the matter? She started doing a dance. She said, a raccoon grabbed the hole of my ankle bone. Am I telling the truth? And what does that have to do with this message? I'm trying to tell you, we got to stay on the highway to heaven, amen? (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) So Paul says that. He says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. How many know light is better than darkness? He's the great light of the world, amen? Then he gets into verse 15 where he's saying, now in essence he's saying, walk in wisdom. Church, now that you're blessed, walk in wisdom, amen? How many of you want to have wisdom? Oh, I do. I need more every day, every day, every day. Amen? He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Sound familiar? The days are evil. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How many of you want to know what the will of the Lord is? Boy, I do. Not for yesterday, but for today and tomorrow. Amen? Five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years into the future. However long the Lord would allow me to live on this side of eternity, I want to be in the center of his will. How about you? I don't know who it was that said it the other day. If you're not in God's will, you're in God's way. And look at this verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. And the King James says leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. How many of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Oh man, I do. More and more and more. Every day I got to be refilled because we leak. Amen. Look at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks only at Thanksgiving. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Giving thanks when? Always. Everybody say always. For all things. Say all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. My dear brothers and sisters, there's so much, this is so packed with spiritual truths. These, do you realize this is the longest sentence in the Bible? It's like Paul's writing it in Ephesus and he's just saying, it's like superlative after superlative after superlative after superlative. And it's like, listen, how many know today a modern editor would edit that out? Thank God that the Holy Spirit left it in there. Amen? And so this is what I want to talk to you about, remaining on the highway to heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, life is a highway. (laughs) Say, I'm going to stay on it all night long. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Rascal Flats 
They actually go to, uh, the lead singer, the guy who wrote that song, goes to my buddy Lyndall Cooley's church in Nashville. And I was there one time, my wife and I was there, and we looked in Rascal Flat, the guy, what's his name, Vox? Nice guy, has hands raised. These guys grew up in the Pentecostal church. Many of the gifted musicians, most gifted in the world, are of a Pentecostal faith, just like you and I. Can you say praise God? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe God gives them those songs. How about you? Amen? Come on now. So rumble strips are strips alongside of the highway. And I want to talk to you about, about them today. And basically, they start, when you hit a rumble strip, it's brrr, brrr, brrr. It's audible. You can hear it. And it's tactile, meaning you can feel it. How many know if you go on it long enough, it'll rattle the fillings right out of your mouth? When my kids were young and we had a minivan, and we didn't just have a minivan, we had the ugliest minivan in the world. It was like a jade green, some kind of nasty color, and it was, uh, they called it the window, uh, what was it, what did you guys call it? Pontiac, Windex Mobile, yeah, Windex Mobile, had a big old, how many remember those in the 90s? Yeah, I saw somebody driving one the other day, I said, hey, the 90s called, they want their van back, Amen. <laughs> Praise God. No, I'm just kidding. But sometimes when our kids were little and they were getting on my nerves, you know what I'd do? I would intentionally drive over the rumble strip. But I'm like, oh my God, what happened? What's going on? What's the matter? And I said, if you don't behave, I'm coming back there. And here's what we used to do. We literally, and you can ask my wife, because sometimes how many kids will just drive you nuts if you let them? I'm going to just drive you absolutely beside yourself. Sometimes I'd say, if you don't behave, I'm going to call a cop. And then all of a sudden they go like this. That are a little, you know, jacket on like a Teletubby in the winter, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you, now, can I just speak? Can we just have a moment? Is this okay? Can we just have a moment? Folks, as a grandfather, I actually want my grandkids to act up. I want them to act terrible. <laughs> can, can I get a witness here? Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Come on, there you are. I want them to act terrible. I want them to, like, wreck the place. I mean, knock the tree over, bust the train, whatever they're going to do. Make a big old mess, and their parents are like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm trying to clean it up. I told you not to do that. I'm like, oh, this is great. Me and my wife are high-fiving, amen? <laughs> Praise God. It's what it is. It's what it's come to. It's God's reward. Grandchildren are God's reward for not murdering your kids. <laughs> Praise God. Some of you just need to laugh. I'm just like, because some of you are just way too serious. My God, are you on your way to heaven or not? Come on. Some of you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice. I mean, you know, I know mean, people won't go to church. They're like, I don't go to church because the last time I went to a church, people look like somebody's holding a gun to their back and they're there like, I can't wait to get out of here. This is not that kind of church. Amen. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Come on. Hallelujah. So what do rumble strips in essence say? Here's what they say. Here's what they say. Here's the first point. Drifting happens. Drifting happens. People drift. They drift in their health. They drift in their finances. They drift in, folks, here's the biggest one I see next to spirituality. They drift in their relationships. I mean, I, I, can I tell you how much I deal with this thing? Like, this is just like insane. People come to me and say, oh, I don't know what happened, Pastor. We just drifted apart. Of course you did. You know why? Because you took your hands off the wheel. People drift, and then guess what will happen? You'll leave her, you'll divorce her, and you'll hook up with somebody else that you think is better, finer, and it's just a matter of time before you start drifting from that one too. You know why? Because if you don't put anything into it, you're going to get nothing out of it. You reap what you sow. In every area of life, 
If I don't take care of my, my body and my dietary, guess what's gonna happen? You drift towards obesity. If I don't take care of my finances, you drift towards insolvency. Is this making sense to anybody here today? If I don't take care of my walk with Jesus, if I'm not putting fresh wood on the fire, if I'm not going to have a prayer life and I'm not in the word and I'm not out there witnessing, telling people about the goodness of God in my life, I'm going to start getting cynical, critical, and start finding fault with everybody and everything. Let me tell you another thing that happens. People drift out of a church and they drift into another one. Guess what will happen over there? It's just a matter of time you start drifting over there too. Because drifting happens. Would you agree? And that's why God built in a mechanism called the Holy Spirit that we're talking about rumble strips today. Rumble strips. It keeps us out of the ditches of life. And if you don't correct it now, you know, you drift a little bit, it's one degree, but how many know that it's always a slow fade? People don't just wake up and say, you know, I think I'll be an alcoholic today. I think I'll just start becoming a drug addict right now. No, it's a slow fade. And, you, and a person can, listen, a person can die a thousand ways and they can be tempted 10,000 ways. So drifting happens. Second point, it's just real simple today. Driving takes work. Driving takes work. You know why? Because why do people drift? Let's just talk about it. People drift because they get distracted. We get distracted. You ever been distracted? Get distracted from things, right? I mean, drifting happens, you know. We, we, we drift off the road, we start hitting the rumble strips, you know. And, and, and it's, like, it's like the rumble strip is saying, this is what it's actually saying. It's saying, hey! Hey! Get back over on the road where you belong, buddy! You ever been there? You ever fall asleep at the wheel? You ever do it? I have. I fell asleep at the wheel one time. I used to work crazy shifts, man. Anybody ever work those crazy shifts? First service, my, my good friend Pete Parchinski, I grew up with him. He was here. He's still in that business, right, Larry? You know, you know, he's still in that business printing. I'm like, thank God I got delivered from that. Amen? I went from printing to preaching. I don't know what happened. I, I could only run from so long. You can run, but you can't hide. Amen? But, you know, we used to print, like, through the night, right? Tom, you understand that, that line of work. And, like, we used to, you know, swing these crazy shifts. Every two weeks, we were on a different shift and a different shift and a different shift. I mean, I, you know, I'm not complaining. God blessed us, really. And we were able to build our family, you know, have a family and a place to live, whatever, you know. But uh, one time I was driving home. The year was 1985. <laughs> How many remember what car you had in 1985? What'd you have? 73 Nova. Oh, that was way cooler than my car. <laughs> Anybody else? Marianne? Chevy Capri. Oh, I remember them. One more. One more. Sharon. A Mustang. What year? 83. Mustang Sally. <laughs> It'll slow that Mustang down. <laughs> GTO. You the man. 400.
Can you feel the anointing? Amen. <laughs> come on, come on. It's, it's a guy thing. Okay. Oh, it's a guy thing. Amen. We watched uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Then, right? It was great. You know. All right. All right. Sorry, ladies. Sorry, 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 sorry. I had this, I had this, I had a, are you ready? I didn't have a brand new car, Dr. Nestor. I couldn't afford a brand new car. I mean, we were just starting out. We weren't even married yet. I was working on something. Amen. But I had a really good car. It was a 1978 Thunderbird. Had a big old, big fenders. Remember them? Had the cat eye headlights. I was all that in a bag of chips. How old was I? I was probably 19, John. Remember those cars? You know, it's funny how it's cars are so Americana culture. Anyway, I'm driving home one day after working a long shift through the night, Holly. I'm, I'm in this car. And, you know, I, I was, you know, it was cold. It was probably January, February. You know, I worked all night. Tom knows what I mean. We were getting out of that shift. The panel prints down there at Old Forge Punch Out. I was, by the time I, it's okay when you're on your feet because we used to move all the time. There's no chair, there's no brake. It was a production place, okay? But when you got in a car with that heat, and started getting nice and comfortable. That car had quite a ride because it was so big. All of a sudden, I remember I was driving on 81. I was over here by Dunmore. I was almost at my exit. And the, the, they were paving. The road was like that much higher on the paved side. And on this side, it was like down. They had like those little, you know, those little markers with the sandbaggy doohickeys on them. And I'm driving. And I've got my seat back because I'm so cool. <laughs> and I'm feeling it. And all of a sudden, the car goes boom like that. And I heard a smack real loud. And I went, oh, God. And I, like, pulled the wheel back. I sat up. And I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw that, you know, the thing with the orange stripes on it flipping end over end. <laughs> Don't tell the Dunmore police, okay? <laughs> I've got a lot of friends in Dunmore. They'll, they'll take care of me, okay? So I'm just saying, folks, drifting happens. And driving takes work. Would you agree? We've got to pay attention. We've got to pay attention to our marriage or we'll drift apart. I've got to pay attention to my health or it'll drift from me. Pay attention to my finances. You know, I've got to understand. I've got to, take, I've got to be improving. It takes work. It takes some effort. It doesn't just happen. Some of us, what ends up happening if we're not careful, especially in Christianity, I don't know what it is about the kingdom of God, but we get lax. We say, well, I remember when I was saved. I remember the kind of... And people start talking about that. I'm telling you, the best thing you could do, like Walt Disney, is take what God has blessed you with and reinvest it today. Dust your hands off, roll your sleeves up and say, man, we've got a job to do. This is not time to sit, soak, and sour and try to find something that's not right in the local church. Can you say amen? It takes work. And it takes effort. The crew that you're rolling with, the choice that you're making, the thing that you're doing is just one degree, but if it's not corrected, it'll become a train wreck. It's just a matter of time. Look at verse 15 with me. He says, see then, see then. Like put the glasses on and see then what? That you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Can you say amen? Drifting happens. Driving takes work. Here's my last point. You can't correct what you don't detect. You can't correct what you don't detect. It's a slow fade. 
You can't block out the rumble strips, you know. The sound and you just turn the radio up. La, 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 I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I'm going to do my own thing. Shaking. I don't hear. I don't hear. You can't block out, folks. How many would be honest enough to say, even right now, there's areas of my life that I've been drifting in. I knew I had the right message this morning. I woke up this morning and it's like, you know, I, you know, we're human too, so there's always this, this battle, you know, I declare war on myself, right? There's a battle between the spirit and the flesh. And my old flesh is telling me, you know, uh, you know it's Christmas and, and the pastoral thing to do is, you know, preach this. Let me tell you something. God is downloading this all week to me, this message right here. Life's a highway. Stay going in the wrong direction. Rumble strips say, you're going in the wrong direction. The word of God says, we're not going in the right direction. You gotta pay attention, amen? It's expensive, it costs. We have to pay attention to where we're at. Praise God, praise God. The church is a form of rumble strips. God sees, how many know God sees no matter where you're at on your journey of faith, the beginning from the end. He knows how it's gonna wind up. I believe a message like this could, could, could keep a prison door from being closed on somebody's life. I believe that a message like this could keep a gavel from a judge's hand on a judge's bench. I believe a message like this could keep a body bag from being zipped. Can I just say, with all the love and humility I can muster up under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I believe there are people here today, I don't know who you are, I, I don't know, maybe you're watching at home. God says... Pay attention. The days are few and they are evil. And there's never been a better time to get behind, folks. I urge you to get behind the work of God and go ye therefore into the nations and make disciples in the hour in which we're living. I believe that Gabriel is licking his lips and God's saying, just hold, just, just, just be patient. How many know God's going to send his son back? He's going to split the eastern. Listen, we'll be over in Israel in, in, in February. Hanukkah could tell you over there, the eastern skies. God will split. Jesus is coming back, folks. He's not coming. Let me tell you something. Oh. He's not coming back as a babe in a manger. You know, every Christmas, we get around the Christmas tree and we celebrate the birth of the Christ child, rightfully so. But he's coming back as a soon coming king. Fire in his eyes. Sword in his hand. Coming back to reclaim his bride. Who's his bride? The church. Not people that are asleep. Not people who have drifted back into their old ways. People who are white hot and on fire for God. Revelation chapter 3. He said, you know, I have this one thing against you. You lost your first love. One more scripture. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Jesus said it like this as the worship team comes back. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. Don't let anybody, don't let anybody tell you this demonic mindset that everybody's going to heaven. I wish to God they would. Let me tell you something. God wishes that people would get right too. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God is not slack or slow, but he's being patient. 
He's patiently waiting for people to get their lives back on the highway and out of the ditches. It says he's willing that no man should perish, but all should come to repentance. I'll close with this. When I, when, I was, when I was growing up in this church, you know, I, I had this friend, his name was Eric, 13 years old, early 80s, whatever it was, you know, eighth grade. This is no joking around, man. I mean, this is like, it, it wakes me up sometimes what happened, but, you know, boys will be boys. I race through them. I, three of them, I get, you know, you're 13, you, you know, you grow up as a preacher's kid, you're probably already a little rebellious to begin with, but it's okay. Amen? I like me. God likes me. If you don't like me, you're the one with the problem. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to let you make me miserable because you're miserable. I mean, think about how crazy that would be. That would be the devil. Right? But I remember Eric, at 13 years old, he lived in German. I can't remember his last name. And I just met him. They had a Christmas, they were getting ready for a Christmas program in the old church. It was a Saturday morning. They had the kids all up there with papers and there's, you know, some good people, you know, trying to, probably some ladies trying to get the, you know, Christmas program together, with, you know, and all that. And I'm sitting in the back pew with him. I'm in eighth grade, you know, and, you know, at that age as a boy, think about it, you're 13, you got all kinds of challenges. Your hormones are raging. I mean, you're not talking about Jesus, okay? Let's just be honest. And I'm sitting there with Eric and... It was the first time I met him, and I'm talking to him, John, like man to man, and we're, you know, guys, and we're just, you know, sports, and probably cars, and girls, and all stuff. And I really liked him. We're same age, same grade in school, and uh, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I just felt so, like, compelled to say this, so please just stay with me just a minute here. Yeah, so like, uh, just a couple days went by, and it was like just a few weeks before Christmas, you know, they did a tree, all that, right? And I never forget when I woke up the one morning, my mom and dad told me, they said, you know that boy Eric and his little baby brother living with their grandmother in German up here? Their house burned to the ground last night, and nobody made it out alive. I thought to myself... If they had a smoke detector, I'm 54, he would have been 54 today. It's no joke, folks. It's no joke. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And you know what? Obviously, they didn't have a smoke detector. They don't know what it was. They don't know. I don't, I don't know what they finally determined, the fire marshal. I don't remember. I don't know if it was Christmas faulty electrical lights or if it was a wood burning I don't know what it was but I remember how it made me feel that when I spent time with this guy that I never did this you know I never warned him oh, I never even stopped to ask like that man in that bus how are things between you and Jesus you know you can say, well, you know, maybe it wasn't your place. Maybe, you know, you, know you, you weren't really living for God either. Let me tell you something, folks. We're called to be rumble strips for people. We're called to be carbon monoxide detectors and smoke detectors 
Thank God for first responders. My wife's a first responder. Thank God for people who are called to that, man. I mean, that, that call when there's an alarm, you hear the sirens going off like I did the other night, and people rush into burning buildings and, and pull people, you know, sometimes charred remains out. And they're in the, the, the trauma units, and people coming in from a car accident, there's blood all over the place. Or they even have to, like, take a dead person's body and, and unhook all that stuff and put them, like, thank God, I couldn't do it. Like, I honestly, I'm not called to that, but let me tell you what I am called to. I'm called to detect things by the power of the Holy Spirit so I might be a rumble strip. This church is not a believer's club. This is not just a place, like, that we sit around and polish our halos and try to find something that's not right. If you want to find something that's not right, you don't have to look too far. When people criticize them, believe me, I, I say this, I, I'm enjoying life, but listen, it's a sign to me that they're not, they're falling asleep at the wheel too. They're, 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 they're drifting. They're, 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 it's like you lost your first love and now your focus went from vertical to horizontal. Come on, somebody. Is this making sense to anyone here? Are you hearing what, what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to some folks? Like, we're called to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. We're, when I was a kid, we used to sing a song, throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline. Somebody here it is, is drifting away. Are you drifting today? How are things with you and Jesus? Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you did, take a photo of you listening and tag us on your social. Thanks again for joining us. We love you. God loves you, and may God's richest blessing be yours.